So welcome back to Diaries of the Wild Ones. Once again, a huge thank you to Wild Earth Australia for supporting me in the adventurous lifestyle. If you guys need any gear for your next adventure, running, camping, climbing, hiking, you guys name it, these guys have it. So go to wildearth.com.au and put in the 10% discount code Diaries of the Wild Ones, all one word, capital letters. Also, a huge thank you to Free Brewing Co., organic preservative-free beer. You'll find them at Dan Murphy's and BWS. Big black can, silver letters that say free. Organic preservative-free beer. It's a no-brainer. Enjoy, guys. You're about to meet Glenn Casey, a guy I really look up to, and I'm so stoked to have this opportunity to sit down with him. Glenn is probably most known for his past role as brand manager of Patagonia, a brand that shares Glenn's core values and love for the environment. Glenn's connection to nature led him into an insanely adventurous lifestyle. He is one of Australia's pioneer big wave surfers and he's an environmental activist. He now has a vault of adventure-rich stories and life lessons. He is definitely wise and someone I feel I can learn so, so much from. Enjoy this one, guys. What comes, comes. Yeah, what comes, comes. Yeah. Well, that's a, yeah, someone, yeah, the more I look at you, Glenn, the more I read about you and get to know about you, the more I learn about myself. That's what I was just finding because it's like in the world that I live in, I find it so hard sometimes to relate to this world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like with this, how society set up, like I was saying, we're both in the surf industry, but I personally, I can't, the ego in the surf industry, just for me, like I just can't connect to it. And for me, like when I'm riding that wave or connecting to nature, it's like for me, it's like a different game. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, I get so, um, what's the word? I get so like dissatisfied. I get so like, I get lost within myself within that. And then when I, when I look at people like you have been able to make it work, like through their love and like had a career and, you know, but also like had your values and made it work. Like, it's like, for me, it's like, okay, my core values of who I am is like how I've been able to make it work for me through my love of the ocean and my love of nature is to like go live off grid and, you know, this is why I do this podcast so I can try connect with those people yeah. that inspire me and like, you know, surround yourself with the people that you want to be like. Yeah. But it's like, then I look at the people that are like my elders that I can learn from, like Dr. Jeff Wilson, the, the world record holder for crossing Antarctica or people like, you know, and I'm like, well, they've somehow like figured it out or they've found that balance within themselves. But it's just like, I, I look at when I was reading that, that article about you, I was like, you're younger you in a yeah. way I was seeing so much of myself yeah and so like I think that's a good place to start because you grew up in Melbourne yeah I grew up western suburbs uh Essendon um had a uh yeah it was a fairly kind of dumbed down kind of upbringing there was a lot of you know I mean the, the whole skinhead era was around when I was a kid and you know you're getting chased and you know there was a lot of violence and people were really kind of it was really strange. I was I was so alienated by these type of humans on the planet that were just looking for trouble. And so, you know, I mean, I, as soon as I got that first opportunity to sort of get down the coast, I, you know, I was out of there. It was did, like, you know, just get me out of here. This is, this is not my, my home. This did is not did my... you feel at any point as a young 
were you a teenager? Like, did you feel at any point as a young as a young man that that was the way that you were supposed to be? Not really. I mean, when I was a really young kid, I I think my mum used to say to me that you know you were just different to your brothers and you 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 would ask different questions and and even when I was three and four, I used to curl up next to my mum and go, "Who am I? Who am I? You know, who am I? Why do we have to die? What's the?" Yeah. meaning of life and I and she said you were always asking kind of different questions but essentially when something like the ocean and I was very fortunate because my mum was she was sort of groomed to be an Olympic swimmer and so my mum got us in the in the water very early and we all became very good swimmers and then we all ended up going to the coast so as soon as, as soon as I found the ocean and surfing I didn't really have much fear of being out out there and often I'd get dragged in by lifesavers you know because there's this little 12 year old kid swimming right out the back in the in, in the big ocean and they're being like what are you doing here kid like get in mate you're drowning and I'm like no I'm just having fun mate it's all good you know because yeah. <laughs> I had I had that really good upbringing in the water so from a young age did you have that yearn for sense of adventure of like getting out and exploring and like wanting to go out the back and seeing what was out there like my dad was a big bike rider so we all got bikes very early so I used to get my backpack and water and lunch and I'd, I'd ride half a day out out into the bush and sit on rivers and on my own little huckleberry fin type stuff you know just yeah He's- you know and I liked my own company I, I wasn't always seeking to do it with other people I just you know I just love that alone time yeah I, I always wonder it's like I was I feel in a way I was born with like a connection to nature or like an awareness to kind of like wanting to go and like just hang out in nature. There was a movie for me, which I think was like the pinnacle that like made me want to, or showed me that I could do it in a way, was Blue Lagoon. Yeah, I remember being a kid and like I'd just always run and explore and like be outside. And then I remember watching the Blue Lagoon and just thinking, wow, that's my dream just to go live on an island. But when I meet other people, I always wonder like, like for you, like were you born with this like connection to nature or wanting to be out in nature? Or was it something that like you've learned and like fell into? Yeah, I, when I was a really young kid, I got given a, a book about a kid that sort of ran away and, and went and lived in the redwoods and he cut open or lived in this little huge redwood and lived with the animals and, and just loved being in the forest. And, and, and it was really, I don't know, it's, it's still very vivid in my mind, this, uh, this, this need to be, you know, away from society and, and in this very still place with, with nature and, yeah. and yet, you know, and, and, and I kind of went, it's funny in my life, I went and did that. I went and, you know, bought 20 acres in the middle of the forest and built this little round house and kind of lived most of my life, a lot of my time with the trees and in the forest, inspired by this book that I think I read when I was about eight or nine, you know. Yeah. But yeah, to your, to your question, I think our nature, depending on where we're at and what evolving... What, what what things are evolving inside of us? I think we're always seeking nature to yeah. balance up, to balance ourselves. I read a thing about you in a, in an interview that if you don't have if you don't go on the in in the ocean within like say three days or even two days, I think it was that you start feeling anxious. It's like you need it to wash it off. It's like your energy really connects with that so much. Yeah, I'm a water sign, 
you know, I'm, I'm Piscean. Um, I've got a lot of water in my chart, you know, like I'm, I'm into astrology and all that. And I just, yeah, it's just one of those things that sort of, it feels like a blessing, you know. I feel like I, I get a lot out of just diving in the water, even if, you know, I'm, there's no surf, I'll just go for a swim and just lie there and think, wow, okay, this is this is rebooting something. It gives me a charge yeah. more so than anything else. So, yeah, that's... So- the difference with, I suppose, you or, or something that's similar to me, it's like you have that awareness of that energy. You have that awareness within yourself of what that gives to you. Do you remember that pinnacle moment when, like like how you said you're in Melbourne and then like started going down the coast and like you had that sense of freedom and, and adventure? But do you remember that moment in your life when you like realize it's like this is what you need to do for you or like what, you know? Because like I, I remember for me like even getting my license and, and just started going on surf trips down the coast and how much it fed my soul and, and just sleeping in the car and, and just being away. And it's just like, it was like something that I realized like that this is me and what I need to do for me. It's like, as soon as I'm in, in a city or like in a, in a high energy place, like when I, like I said, when I go up to the Gold Coast, I can't play that game as much anymore as when I grew up there. Yeah. It's not for me. And when I go there, I find I start losing myself, losing that connection or that energy. And I get, anxious and i start losing who i am and start taking on different value systems or not even taking on different value systems those other value systems start putting pressure on me and i start like and i just find i have to come back and ground myself yeah you know what i mean i have to go back to nature and i know that i've I've, lucky enough that i have this realization moment that i have to do that yes you know it's just like where did you learn that That, for yourself that came mum and dad finally bought a caravan at Torquay and we so we we all had this little setup down there and uh, we were an hour and a half away and so I just as soon as I found surfing I just started wagging school and I'd set up you know contrary to mum knowing was well a little bag over the in, in, in a little cubby house down in the backyard and I was I was probably 14 or 15 and I'd get I'd jump the fence say see you later mum I'm going to school jump the fence get in my casual clothes i'd go down and get the bus get the train to geelong and then i'd hitchhike to torquay surf for the day and then come home and get in that night you know with the bloodshot eyes and the sunburnt sunburnt nose and mum's kind of looking at me going where you been you know and i'd be i'd be going i was just you know down the park kicking the footy you know and um so i did that a lot and and it was just this complete addiction to surfing as soon as i found surfing that was it footy finished Every all the other sports finished, I just had to get down the coast. That was the mission. It's it's funny, eh? Like that mm. first wave. Just like I still remember my first open face, open face wave. Yeah. At, at Crumb and Alley, and it was just like in that moment, in that that was it for me. And yeah. and I often think about like if I didn't find surfing, I don't know how I would have expressed myself because through surfing wanted to make me travel, and through traveling, you know, traveling around the world as what has been as what has opened my eyes yeah you know what i mean and like by opening my eyes and like seeing different things is how i've learned to start living my honorable self or like my yeah. own truth and yeah. like it all comes back to like surfing this connection that i had with nature because to me that's the only thing that's real yes you know yeah. and th- and there's we're all born in a in a in a split moment where um we have this incredible planetary setup you know where we've we've seemed to have you know depending on what you believe in we've brought forward all these qualities and we're here for those to work with those qualities and whether you call it astrology or 
you know, um, a type of reincarnation, which, you know, who, you know, who knows? But at the end of the day, there, there can be certain qualities in you that, that you just carry forward and then you, you, you work with those qualities. And for me, um, I had these, when I finally got around to doing my astrology, this, this astrologer said, oh, you've got exalted Mars and exalted Saturn in your chart. You'd be very attached to water and, you know, working with all this, um, you know, passionate expression. What do you do? And I said, well, I surf. And he goes, oh, God, that's perfect. And so, you know, everyone sort of thinks, oh, it's just by fortune or by luck or, you know, by a type of a, a, a movement. Uh, that you find surfing or that you you know and in a way i think through in a sense life finds you and or surfing finds you and so you end up you know my whole life has been this complete you know expression and uh, uh you know and maybe and and you know what i believe is that you know this this type of activity was i didn't really have a choice the planet's just drove me straight into this this activity of life you know it's called surfing do you reckon that was the same with you and patagonia by like i it was funny because when i lived in the forest i was telling you about the tree thing you know and i bought that book and built that house in the forest is that we started sort of uh saving there was there was logging coops going on around us and uh and i got involved with some people there and so so i actually started looking at companies that actually started to do you know that were saving places or you know looking after the planet and and found patagonia and and it was ironic because patagonia started approaching wayne lynch who was my best friend at the time we were surfing the whole gradation road area and they approached him to be an ambassador and so i was like oh this is really weird because you know patagonia is asking you this and i've been looking at them and and anyway, we ended up talking to them and, you know, about 12 months later, I was running around selling it and running Australia and um, distributing it and doing, you know, doing shops. And so it was, yeah, again, another appearance. Mm. But how did it feel for you by, you know, working in an industry that you love, that you express yourself, but then suddenly working with a brand that expresses your values? Yeah. Like that must have been a huge difference because it's it's weird. Like I've had jobs that the best, worst job I've ever had was a surf guide in Indonesia. Mm. The best job I ever had was a surf teacher in Canada. Right. And mm. the the difference, ones took away from my passion and, and I didn't see like this, it was just different. And the other one added to my passion. Yeah. And very similar jobs, you yeah. know what I mean? But different expression. Yeah, one you kind of dive out of bed for. You know, I came from... In the 80s, I worked at Rip Curl and then I went in and did my own fashion house, sort of ran about four or five different brands. And, you know, the the values really declined for a lot of different reasons. And, you know, basically the surf industry sort of, it had a change of guard, like a different type of person started infiltrating it. And, you know, some companies were um, going public and all sorts of more things. More like the corporate sense, more like the business yeah. corporate model started coming in. Yeah, we started losing the salty people and we started getting the, what actually Phil Jarrett called it, the the, uh, the suits. And yeah. so the, the, the high-end accountants and the high-end sort of um, CEOs all started coming in. I saw that and it was quite it was quite disturbing because it was a whole different language and it was people that were, you know, they're quite, 
uh, intellectual, but very isolated from you know the soul of surfing. Very mm. very um, different mentality. So we ended up. It was good. It was for me. I was searching for something that that had meaning and that was doing good for the planet. And certainly after all that saving the forest activism and all that kind of stuff, Patagonia seemed the perfect fit yeah. know, to move into. So it was it was good after twenty years of running around selling surfwear and you know the the outdoor brand seemed the the perfect way to go yeah it's it's amazing and just from what i know of, of patagonia is it it's it's for me i feel so happy that there's a, a brand because like i've got a lot of friends that like like ben like a mutual friend of yes. ours he spends hours and hours like researching trying to come up with new ways of sustainable clothing and everything but you know like if he if he makes a product, he's just this small little seed, you know, but he's trying to make a difference. Yeah. And it's hard for those people to like kind of go and make make this happen. But then suddenly mm. to see a brand like crack it, like that comes yeah. through, like comes through that corporate, you know, that, that veil or what it like breaks through and actually becomes like this huge brand world worldwide kind of thing yeah. that has those values. And you're like, whoa. for me, it's like, it's like hope. Yeah. You're like, whoa, it can be done, you know, it can be done. And, I saw, I mean, I got into Torquay just after that sort of revolutionary appearance of surfwear and all the Rip Curls, Billabong, Quicksilver and all that, that when they started to just make board shorts or they just started to make wetsuits, that they started to sort of slowly evolve and it was out of need. You know, mm. it was an essential for surfing, but it, it ended up sort of branching out into all of a sudden they were making, you know... Uh, eyelash curlers and you yeah. know hair brushes and it just sort of morphed out into some pretty weird product and lost the lost the core essence of you know why they started but patagonia has been it, it it's been a, it's been around for 50 years and it, it started again in that sense but it's really held its soul like it had a you know yvonne's a, i've met yvonne and melinda chenard who are the founders and um and they're very, very soulful people, you know, I would, so I would call it properly. And they've held the soul of the brand incredibly well, mm. you know, through different values and meaningful business. So. For you and your, your own values, okay, when you, your own opinion, if someone came to you and, and was like, yeah, like, like effort, I'm just going to buy these boards. Like, why would I think, you know, why would I take why would I buy a pair of board shorts that has less of an impact? You know what I mean? Like, you, yeah. you know, like I, that it's just something I think in, in like, it's like something that's in our society, like our consciousness right now. Like, like it's something that's, how do I say this? It's not a trend right now. It's, it's still, yeah. I think in, within Australia, it's like a lot of people, like I see, it's like, it's just not even a thought. They're like, why? Like, even like my, my, my parents they, and they, just come from the thing is they're doing the best they can mm. but when i say like oh you could like not buy bottled water you know to have less of an impact they don't they don't see that connection no it's like what would you say to someone of like how do you put that point across well it was interesting yeah because when we first started the brand um we, we put it in Torquay and it was across the road from you know the mega you know surf industry stores and people were coming across going yeah but God, what's what's you know what's this organic cotton and why would I buy a pair of recycled board shorts and um and so we you know we we struggled pretty you know because that 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 consciousness was very much about you know well, fundamentally wanting a brand 
and identifying themselves with a the brand, but also I'm not spending another 25 bucks on, you know, a pair of jeans or, you know, just because it's good for the environment. So it was very hard to intertwine, you know, the values of the bigger picture, which was, hey, this, this planet's hurting and this planet's kind of in a bit of trouble or, you know, as simple as, you know, what are you, what are you doing flushing this, you know, toxic stuff down the drain or, or, or why are you buying this, you know, pesticide-ridden chemical food that's poisoning, you know. And so there was all these offshoots of, of bringing this brand in and then actually, you know, trying to sell it to people who were very blocked and very shut down yeah. and very uh, uneducated about um, their purchases. And it, and it became, you know, just this mission for me anyway, was that, yeah, I'm going to fight this. I'm going to really try and, you know, make mm. a difference to... Um, and I think Patagonia now, even though it was a real struggle at the start, I think it, it's finally kind of hit some sort of a... a, yeah, motion, a, a you know, some sort of a... It's generated enough power now to... Um, it's starting to make quite a difference in, in Australia, make, make some people think. With, with all your adventures, was there any penny drop moments where you really saw this, where you really saw the need in the world for... To, to change it to try and help i just because i lived in the forest i just saw how aggressive the logging industry was so i was driving down to my 20 acres in the middle of nowhere and i'd look over into a, a what used to be a pristine forest and it was all clear felled you know and, mm. and all sorts of all sorts of emotional imprints were, were kind of making me want to do something and it just didn't need to we we didn't need to do it like there was yeah. there's all these alternatives and there's all sorts of and and i understand that because i come from a corporate kind of end i understand things roll out slowly like all of a sudden the world's not going to be driving around in solar cars and you know yeah. we're all not going to be tesla kind of but there's got to be some start point and there's got to be some you know and and i felt like i was one of those kind of people that was trying to push the system and break break certain paradigms around the way people were um, purchasing one yeah. with Patagonia or two logging or, you know, and I could probably go through, you know, five or six other things where, you know, where we're really here. If we're on that leader, front end leader kind of board front, we are just trying to change people's perceptions. Yeah. Not in a violent way, but certainly in, you know, an educational way where yeah. we're saying, hey, how about you go this way? Why don't you, you know, and do you're daring this. to be different? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Daring to, I, I had this for me, the pinnacle moment, and well, for you, it's like be the change you want to see in the world. And yeah. I say it all the time because God, it just hits home so much. Yeah, and I had this pinnacle moment for me. I lived, I think I've told this story before, but I, I lived in Western Bar for years, and I busted my ankle over there jumping off a waterfall trying to press a girl <laughs> landed on a rock snap anyway i was over there i think a month i couldn't i was on crutches or whatever and i couldn't surf and had been pumping and everything and i kind of was able to walk again i knew i couldn't really do turns but i was like i know i can get barreled and i saw this little swell and this secret wave that i knew no one was going to be at it's like probably one of the best right hand barrels i know and i was like Oh, you know, and I was about to leave. I was I was going back to Australia and I was like, I'm gonna treat myself and all I've gotta do, I know I've got to just gotta to get to my feet and I'll just get kegged the whole way. And so I go to this wave and it's a big paddle out into the bay, out in the middle of this bay, and I start paddling out and I'm by myself and I just suddenly hit this 
big pool of garbage that's just mm. and, I, and i'm trying to paddle through it and it's just so much garbage that i can't even move my leg rope's getting caught i'm getting caught and it gets to the point where it's so thick that i'm like if i fall off my board here i'm gonna drown i'm just thinking like wow. i need to just try and get through it and get to the wave yeah and i start getting closer to the wave and i'm looking at this perfect three to four foot right hand barrels perfect as you could imagine running down this reef filled with garbage the wave is just, it's just a garbage barrel. Yes. And I was like, oh, what the hell is going on here? You know, I, I, and I've just like all the currents or everything, they must have pushed all that garbage into that one spot and how it was like circling around. But then I was like, oh, I'll, you know, I'll be able to get away. I'll go try and get a wave still. And I paddle out and this wave comes and I take off and I go to stand up. My leg rope catches all this garbage. It starts dragging me. All this garbage is hitting me. I can feel my fins going, oh and I couldn't actually surf the wave. I got off. I was getting tangled on all this garbage, and I was literally like, I've got to get, I'm going to drown out here. So I'm holding onto my board. There's another wave coming, Wow. and I'm like paddling out, and I had to get out of the water and paddle back, and I felt that disgusting in myself. I had to go have a shower, get dead old soap, all this stuff, but it was like, it was absolutely heartbreaking. It got mm. to the point where it was like, where it affected what I did. It mm. affected my love for the, it affected my experience that I have, that connection that I had with the yeah. ocean. I couldn't have that because of how bad garbage pollution had got in that one spot. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I was like, yeah. wow. And I was like, okay, well, this has already happened here. Yeah. Like I've been at the time I'd, I'd spent about six years in that area around West Zimbabwe. Mm. And in that time I'd seen it change, uh, develop to that point. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's, and it's funny down in my place. Um, they're about to develop Point Plummer Road. Yep. And we've been protesting against that and it keeps getting yeah. stopped. And, but the thing is the end development. And, and I, I went to this protest the other week and I started talking about the development plans, you yep. know, and what's actually long-term. And I said to one of my neighbors, you know, like we've got to protest against this. And they go, oh yeah, well, they'll never actually be able to develop it. Who's got the money? That She said something like that. And I was like, what are you Whoa. talking about? Yeah. And yeah. when I went to this protest, because we can't see it, we look at this just like this beautiful bushland. And sometimes when I sit on Racecourse Hill, I picture it being Burley Headland. Yeah. And I look down where it used to be like where this, like, because it's hard to imagine because you're mm. looking at this beautiful forest. Lennox Head's the perfect yeah. thing of that. When I was first coming to Lennox, you know what I mean? You look down, like it's just these Absolutely. beaches and now you look and it's like housing, it's suburbs, you know? Yes. And so it's hard for people to see what the future could hold, mm. but it's like, it's the past shows it all. That does. You know what I mean? Just because yeah. it isn't developed there doesn't mean it's going to. And so like this proposal that they had in was it's like the long term is like literally Towering Point Plumber Road, mm. developing race course, eventually getting a, a bridge to Port Macquarie, mm. which should end. And that's the long term. thing. And then wow. you think about it, you look at Port Macquarie and you go, well, this Port Macquarie used to look like this. Mm. If this all goes ahead and like it's going to stay, it just starts with this road, then it goes to this and this yeah. and this, and it's all national park, it's all going to be lost. And all these animals that we have living around, you know what I mean? All get you don't, you won't have that. Yeah, that's it. You know what I mean? That's yeah. and people, it's hard for people to see that connection, absolutely. And it's like it won't yeah. take long, no, because look at have you ever been driving, you know, like you said, like with the logging. It's like, I, it's happened to me with like Skinner's head down there. It's yeah. like you, uh. you're driving along one day and you're looking at this like nice farmland, and then you're not there for a year because you've been over traveling and you get home and, and you drive past the same spot and there's just like 150 houses. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Where did uh, that come from? That was like some nice bushland. Yeah. And then, 
you and, think of the di- displacement of everything in that. Yes. You know? Yeah. That animals, those environments, and that was their home. And like people are like, oh, they'll move on. But no. No, like, no. If you no. got pushed out of your home, where do you go? You sit there for a bit and you end up like... Absolutely. And often, you know, when you go to those rallies, you know, you look at those wonderful old people sitting there who, you know, are kind of at the you know front and centre of this you know, activism because they've seen so much destruction and there's been so much, so many things that have disappointed them in, you know, and, and it is, it's, it's, it's a thing in the human race that, um, you know, we've, a lot of our decisions are very selfish and self-centered and around greed and power and all that. And, and they'll just bulldoze people who are, you know, living in those areas that are enjoying the, the natural surroundings and, you know, like, Joni Mitchell said, you know, found paradise and put up a parking lot. And it's it's just typical of if we don't, as humans, you know, be the conscience for that type of person, if we don't, mm. you know, sit down and go, hey, mate, you know, this is this is where you've drawn the line. This is where we draw the line. And yeah. we when put up that resistance and activate and go into action. And this is a lot of the things we spoke about earlier that, we can sit around in the forest and grow our veggies and do nothing or we can jump in the car and front up and confront these people and just say it's not on mm. you know cuz we're going to we're going to and then and this is the part of i think going back to the initial stuff about activating uh, a certain fire invoking a certain fire in yourself about being in the world and doing something and changing something in the world because there's too many of these people. And like you said, you know, you come home from a trip like that and, you know, seeing all that plastic and you go, man, I've got to do something about my own plastic. Yeah. You know, my own, the way that I discard it or recycle it or whatever. And so these little things, and it's not that these people are evil or devils or whatever, you know, but they just need to understand that what they're doing isn't right it's not right for the natural world it's not right for these beautiful people who came to the natural world to have you know a connection with nature and so you know this is this is where this this whole paradigm has to shift from you know you know people just thinking just because they got money they can come in and ruin yeah a a beautiful place you know yeah that's it's, (laughs) it's funny a little housing estate went up just up the road uh, on the way into Crescent Head. I think it's just like acre blocks or whatever. But there was a family of kangaroos that were there every morning and every afternoon. Yeah. And they're just not there anymore. Not anymore, yeah. Like, where'd they go? Yeah, you know? yeah. And it's just, I always, yeah. It's, it's funny. It's I, we're, we're not allowed cats or dogs at our place. Yeah. And people are like, oh, my, you know, my dog won't do anything. It's, it's not, it's the predatory scent. And I used to, I, I just came to this, conc- I just came to, it wasn't a conclusion, it was a realisation that, all these animals around me, it's their home. Yeah. And like, they don't deserve to be scared out of their home. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's been yeah. an easy way to tell people like, oh, you know, I'm sorry, like I love puppies, but you just, they can't come to mind because it's just, it's not fair on the animals. It's not fair on my neighbors that live there. Yes. You know, for that nature as well. Yes. You know, when they can't, like if I have a dog come to mind, I don't see, see kangaroos or wallabies for a week. <laughs> they just stay away from that scent. Yeah. But that yeah. was their home. Hey, um, so, so I want to get into you have been an adventurer your whole life and 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 connected to nature, and you've always have you always seeked adventure? Or has it just come to you because of the life you've been living, like those opportunities? Yeah, I think 
my guru, <laughs> if you'd call it a guru, or my pursuit of, of life, you know, if you put it into one word, would be freedom, like a freedom seeker. Yeah. You know, and I, I guess surf, surf chasing or, you know, chasing, you know, surf experiences is, um, is where I kind of found my adventures. And so a lot of my early days was that, yeah, I had this little, you know, office in Melbourne and then I just shoot down to my place down in the, the Otways, down in the southern end of Victoria and just chase whatever was coming in from, you know, Antarctica basically. So, and uh, yeah, some of those experiences um, came along in all sorts of different ways. But, you know, when I was uh, in my early 20s, I met, a guy called Wayne Lynch who was kind of like my hero and seen him in all the magazines and, and then all of a sudden I'm sitting in his little Zodiac running around the coast, you know, trying to find waves and a lot of that time we ended up, you know, because Wayne was a pretty wild sort of a guy, we ended up chasing some really big surf and... Um, At the time, did you want to chase big waves or do you reckon I, like his I, influence? Yeah, his influence definitely got me to what I'd call that, that next level you know, where I think I was pretty comfortable in, you know, probably eight to 12 foot sort of surf, you know, felt fairly competent. But Wayne was, um, he was sort of that, he had that next kind of gene, you know, had that yeah. next kind of fear gene where he just, you know, and so, so he pushed me to surf sort of, you know, thing, you know, surf above 15 foot and, you know, 20 in, in that 20 foot realm, which I didn't get to surf a lot of 20 foot days, but, you know, we had a couple of memorable ones and, and it was funny because we we're only talking about this the other day that after Laird and Derek Dorner towed into backyards, they had a little, you know, thirteen foot zodiac and with big outboard and they towed in twenty foot backyards in between Sunset Beach and yeah. um, Belsey land there, right out to sea and it was sort of groundbreaking. It was sort of the start of toe surfing and um um and so Wayne had a Zodiac and we were cruising around the coast. So we, you know, around that time in the early 90s, we ended up, you know, getting a, a big uh, a big rope behind the little Zodiac and we started to toe surf, you know. So in, inspired by Lair, hearing Derek, that. Derek and, and, um, and Wayne were very close. That You know, obviously they're in Hawaii and, and Derek could get a few boards off Wayne. And so, yeah, so we, you know, ended up sort of running around the coast going oh well, shit this this wave's kind of surfable now because you know i can kind of tow you into it and um did you see you, you guys at the time as being pioneers i think there wasn't anyone in australia really doing tow surfing back in the early 90s i think it kind of came in sort of in the late 90s and then i think a few years later derek and, and laird started tow surfing jaws on jet skis and we kind of look back now and kind of go oh god you know those smelly dirty bloody jet skis but we ended up about the same time um i i was you know doing all right in the surf industry and ended up buying a jet ski and so so we had the little zodiac boat and the jet ski and so we'd charge off and and tow surf these places on our own it was really quite special huge 15 20 foot days sitting out there you know with um just the two of us out running around i can see that like the doing that now like you, you look at it as being so reckless with with how much like training goes into big waves surfing like vests everything and then whenever i talk to like your like your generation it's just that's just what they did yeah you know what i mean and my mate clive he's over in porto he's, he's got a hotel over there and 
Port Escondido is blown up so much. You know, it's so crowded now, especially with the with the vest. Yeah. With the floaty vest. And he, because he's an old school guy that was just always chasing those big waves. Yeah. And he can't, he suddenly was sharing it with like, say, 15 guys that were the guys that could step up to the plate and ready mm. to take that beating. Yeah. Now there's like, you know, guys coming in and, and for, for right reason that they've got the floaties on and everything. Yeah. And like, I would be one of those guys. So I can't <laughs> judge because I'm not that guy that could just charge like 20 foot Porto. Yeah. But suddenly for him, he's seen this like, it change. Yeah. And I look at, that and there's a couple of things. It's like looking at guys like you, you're like, whoa, okay, there's no safety water. I haven't trained and everything. And it's so reckless. But at the same time, there's so much pure, it's, I call it core yeah. lords. You know, it's the core, just doing it just for you two. There's no yeah. camera dude. There's no nothing. Like, it's just like, yeah, wow. No, it was, it was, it was before what I called the safety science, which mm-hmm. was the inflatable vests and the, um, you know, the buoyancy vests and all the, you know the CPR on the back and the techniques of getting people on the back of the skis. We were we were just a couple of wild hillbillies, ocean hillbillies, just running around trying to kill each other. I guess. Did, yeah. Did you <laughs> did you and Wayne take it seriously? Like, as in, like, did you just have like plans in place? It's like, okay, we're going to try surf this slab. Yeah. What would you watch it for a while? Would you try and like figure it out? Would you come in with a game plan? Oh, look, Wayne Wayne was surfing a lot of these waves, you know, in the 70s. And, and so he knew the exact takeoff points and he, he was trying to take these waves. But, you know, he, he just was most of the time 80, 70, 70, 80% getting slaughtered, you know. So when we finally got a jet ski and we had, a you know, an opportunity to get down them, you know, we were having a ball, you know, we were getting... But, I mean, it was frightening for me. Wayne wasn't as scared. He's not, as I said, he's, he's got that extra gene... And, um, you know, but, you know, we were, you know, we were getting these incredible experiences without anyone around, you know. Do you, like do you remember any secret... standout experiences of when it all, like, do you remember any pinnacle waves? That were... uh, yeah, I, I mean, a lot of the waves are still kept under wraps down there, but there was, there were some moments where it was surreal, you know, it was just like, oh my God, here I am standing in this 15 foot top to bottom tube getting blown out and coming out onto the shoulder and there's Wayne putting along next to me laughing and and just if you could bottle the emotional feeling that was running through my veins it, it'd be priceless because it was just it was just this incredible uh, I don't know it was like I still struggle sometimes with life because i think about those moments and i miss them and i and because i'm up here on the north coast and that was all down on the south coast of victoria is i still kind of have these kind of like oh i you know i I need that kind of adrenaline yeah that passion i need that kind of those uplifts that release that release and um you know i'm i I would say that I, i would have these three four day blissful out of body kind of experiences or out of mind i wouldn't say out of body but out of mind deeply immersed in the body just feeling buzzed from you know toe surfing just Just alive so alive with such emotion like that like me i'm such an excited person that really expresses myself i'd be fine it's i'd find it so hard to come back and you've done something so surreal but also keep it under wraps yeah because I'm guessing, I'm assuming, especially if these places, a lot of these waves are still under wraps. Yeah. That in the 90s, you're not coming back with photos of Shkana. Look what we just did. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, nah, we, we, well, I used to, 
we used to hide the jet ski. I used to hide the jet ski. It was my jet ski, but I hid it under Wayne's house. And um, and we'd get up at four and he'd put the, the boat on, I'd put the ski on and we'd drive inland probably about an extra half an hour um, further around the coast so people wouldn't see us and we'd end up going right down into these places where, yeah, we... Wayne, I didn't have that mentality, but Wayne was brought up as a, a fisherman, and you never revealed your, yeah, yes. your your places where you got your got your feed or you made your life, you know, you where you earned, earned your money out of the ocean. And I I didn't have that loose lip sink ships type mentality, but I learnt it through Wayne by him completely seeking isolation in the ocean and having purely an experience without needing to be validated or told that you you know you you're this crazy big wave rider or anything he just went and did it it was there was nothing that he needed to hear and he didn't want to be famous he was already famous but but i i certainly came home and was standing at the pub with talkie kind of going i really want to tell you what happened today but i bloody can't and yeah. i'd go home and stick my head in the bloody pillow and Almost go, oh my god, you know. Yeah, that um, was insane. Pick my dog up and go, mate. I've got to tell you a story. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, we had our share of, you know, bad luck. And yeah, did and, it ever um, go wrong? We had probably one of the most, and it got written up in Surface Journal. It was one of those contrary moments where Wayne actually brought someone down to document. Or, or actually, Andrew Kidman was down documenting Wayne's life in a film called Litmus way back when. And um, and so he threw Andrew in the back and we went down and towed this huge day. It was called Savage Sunday and um, was 20, 20 foot plus probably. And um, and as we got out, we anchored the Zodiac and I just started towing Wayne into his sort of first wave. And it was sort of this smaller 15 footer at the front and Wayne kind of, was towing in and I'm looking over my shoulder going, God, how's this big black cloud over here? And um, anyway, the whole horizon shut down. It was like this massive 20-foot, 25-foot closeout and it cleaned up the boat and Kidman's standing in the boat just screwing up the front of his uh, of his water, water housing and I'm looking at Kidman, looking at Wayne, trying to kind of pull together what was actually going on and then so wait, so wait he's in the boat and the boat's what anchored in a channel yeah boats way out in the channel out to sea and and this wave is that big that it's coming for it and the boat base and the wave literally lands on, on the, the boat, boat and kidman's dived out like a navy seal so he's seen it coming oh my god and I so he's how scared you'd yeah, be yeah i was freaked so and it was like a it was like a train wreck after yeah. that i had wayne getting completely slaughtered on the inside under 20 foot waves i've got kidman screaming out for help you know sitting there with his water housing camera sitting out of the you know waving so, at me and i've got garbage and boards and bags and you know all stuff all knocked out of the boat the boat's upside down and yeah i've got a i've got a little disaster on my hands <laughs> so so let's let's break this down for a second so mm. so You've put this this zodiac this 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 boat out of harm's way off the reef out in the channel. Yep. All right, and then you're towing in. He's so he's so Kidman's in the boat. Kidman. Yeah. He's in the boat getting ready to take photos, jump yep. in the water, and so pretty much you and Wayne have gone for a warm up. I'm guessing like here's yep. a 15 footer. Let's tow you into this. Let's just get this one going. So you guys <laughs> are on the inside. He's getting ready. Have, and you've put him on the wave, like as he he's towed into the wave, that yeah. fifteen footer. And as you've done, you've looked, and there's that 
moment that I think every surfer fears when there's those huge clean upsets, the clean upsets coming through. Yeah. yeah. And so you're on the jet ski on the inside. He gets washed in, the boat gets nailed. Yep. How did you, where, when you're on the ski, like what line did you pick? How did you get, did you have to go so, in and turn around? Yeah, so the wave's kind of like a massive left. It's a big bombing, quiet secret bombing, and it, um, it's a bit like outside corner, Ulu. So yeah. I literally fanged in front of this 20-foot wave and somehow got around it and shot out the back and then came in on both of them. And initially I went in and picked up Wayne and, and he's just, you know, basically said, get Kidman. And, and so we've we've fanged out. I've dropped him off at the boat. The boat's upside down. It it For some unknown reason, he had a stretch cord on the anchor, so it somehow stayed on anchor. It got it got dragged off anchor, but ended up, you know. Anchoring again, And then, yeah. so I got Kidman and then I think, I think, it might have been Wayne and Kidman flipped the boat. Wayne pulls anchor before the next set, and Wayne starts rowing the boat, and I'm running around, you know, picking up all this stuff, um, like, you know, stuff like tow boards and you know bags, and 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 got Kidman on the back, and I look over, and here's Wayne rowing up another twenty foot set, just just flips over this thing rowing his little zodiac boat that he couldn't get going because it's waterlogged yeah. the motor's buggered and i'm like oh my god so you know basically we've shot out and um we've grabbed the anchor rope and pulled wayne out to sea and then we've slowly putted back about two k's down the coast and ended up back into this little bay where we um where we launched it and we're like kidman and i like hugging each other going oh my god okay we survived that was heavy you know bummer we you know Wayne runs, we look at Wayne and he runs up to the car and he's got measly bars and he's got, got some spark plugs, plugs and he runs down and um, flicks out the spark plugs, gets the motor going, looks at us, throws us a measly bar and goes, let's get back out there. And <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, I'm like, you know, Kidman's kind of kicking me in the ankles going, God, um, is, this, is this for real? Are we really, you know? And, uh, but, to Wayne's credit, we we went out. This massive storm came in. It started raining, and again, it was just one of those moments in nature I'll never forget because it was twenty foot, massive big lefts, and Wayne put me on the on the rope. And so for the last hour of the day, I got to tow. You know, twenty foot huge lefts in the rain. Sheet it was like carpet. It was like silk. It was like. Um, magic carpet rides and um and basically you know that was the end of the day we all came in in the dark and th- that's what i'd call probably in the top one or two or three experiences of my life where you think every wave i'm in a couple of wipeouts but you know and again before vests and all that kind of stuff so they were big wipeouts but you know they were they were, they were kind of like yeah pinnacle experiences that you know you kind of take to your grave and go Oh God! Okay. Thank you. Never. Yeah. I'm. Thank God. I uh, experience that. Experience that, and, and and you hold it. It's it's a it's a power that 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 sits inside of you. You know that it's it's just you know when you look at those things, you just think, no. Nah, I, I mean, I wouldn't have done it without Wayne and all his experience. But but um, now that I have it, and um, you you just take that power with you. It sits yeah. With you. I was gonna say like with a day like that in your life is that something that you would look back on to seek power within yourself you know it's like oh if i got through that you know what i mean it's like 
that's the thing about like challenging yourself and pushing yourself through these these things it's like you, you find your own power yeah and it's like i you know like lately i've been feeling a little bit dormant the last um month or two and i've stopped training i'm not training and, and i was the last week i've been like looking at myself and i was like you know no, it's time to come out the gates running again you know yeah and i'm like i can't lose sight and i look back on some things i've done i was like fuck yeah i can do this yeah you know what i mean yeah well my yeah. most powerful wipeout what i call my power moment was in hawaii i went there when i was about 20 years of age and i ended up surfing huge lani Kea with all these old legends it was huge and um and i paddled out in like a 610 alburn channel bottom you know thinking oh yeah i got this and um it just grew about four or five feet and you know, like an hour and I tried to take this big wave and I fell sort of down the face and, and everything kind of got stuck and anyway, I've jumped off and I got five 15-foot waves on the head and I, I went into the dream death state or what I'd call the drown experience where you go into a complete, um, it's almost like a, just a letting go of the world, you know, you're just in this dream state and... And it was on the second wave that hit me, and I thought, okay, well, I'm going to drown now. Had you been able to get up for a breath from the first one? I came up and got like a little quick, <gasps> yeah, you know, and then basically the second 15-footer. And Larnia K is well known for, they call it keeping you on the disc, you know, yeah. the wipeout zone. So it just was like wave after wave, and they were huge waves. I've never seen them, you know, I'm 20 years of age. And, and so, yeah, I managed to go through about four of those and the fifth wave my board somehow sprang back came right into my arms and i all my arms were tingling and numb i had no energy in my body i'm a young very no fit, oxygen in your body had nothing in my body and i just i literally bear hugged this board and off i went so that was my survival near death moment where i thought okay i'm i'm actually going to die here and i let go and and it ended up it set up a whole lot of other stuff in my life where I surfed so many big days where it almost took me to those places, but I never went back to that place. And it was mm -hmm. always a reference to Point know how, yeah, how far I could push it. And so, yeah. um, I, and I found real peace and real meditative. Uh, I knew not to waste energy. I knew not to, you know, burn up, you know, the oxygen bubbles. And, and um, I knew that this was the process to get through big big waves you know big wipeouts so it, it a lot of little and all those things you know surfing and being out there and just just actually turning up and putting yourself um and that's how you learn those yeah those, those hard knocks but end up you end up getting a 15 20 foot wave one day and and it's all an accumulative um experience of knowledge that allows you to have the wisdom to be able to take a wave like that and then when you get to the end of it you go ah yeah that's been my life right there you know that wave was a testament yeah. to the commitment to what i did in my surfing uh, of big waves so it was yeah how, all that stuff was very uh, very profound for my life you know? yeah. yeah like how do you approach fear when you're well, out there like that day you said that pinnacle day or even when you're in, on the inside getting flogged that like what what happens in you and your mind when you paddle for that wave and you you're that scared but you still go over the edge well it's a to me a 
self self chatter you know uh like they say that fear is something that you store in your mind so it's this little voice in your head and so there's a point there where if you can change that dialogue so if you've got a 20 foot wave coming towards you and you're going oh you can't do this i can't do this this is heavy i'm gonna drown i'm gonna do something you know there's an accumulation of fearful thoughts and so if you can direct that that change that thought or um, what they call put some type of a positive affirmation in there like and actually Shane Aran actually taught me the thing that he used to do at really big Wymere was that he would say instead of having something like this wave's going to kill me or drown me or whatever you say over the wave over the beach over the mountain and then as you're saying that this affirmation and it changes your your mental dialogue you start to take experiences or you start to take waves where you're kind of going okay geez i'm here i'm halfway down this wave i've now got to relax i've now got to complete the experience but it just had to it was just that pinnacle moment where i just had to change the fear in my mind to be able to get me into the experience and then when Mm -hmm. you're halfway down the waterfall or the the face of the wave then you go on natural instinct and then your body takes over and you're out of your mind and then you're in this freedom and then you find this you know, this way to get around the bottom of the wave and up into the wave and, you know, and that's how my big... That's how a lot of times where I, I was paddling into waves that I didn't think I really wanted, which I didn't want, where that I ended up taking because I was using this... Yeah, this method. This type of method. Let's go, let's go, you know, let's... let's We got mm. this, we got this, we got this, you know, and you just... That belief in yourself. Yeah, and well, that belief. Do you, do you have a, uh, like a panic moment? Like, like you're saying you're getting held underwater, those... Or all those waves in Hawaii, like nearly, like you thought you were going to drown. Like, I've I've still got like a panic threshold, and it's funny. Like, I depending on where I'm at, or where my confidence at, or my fitness is at, or my oxygen, or, or whatever, I'm getting held under. And actually, it happened. Ballina, that just that last little swell. It wasn't a panic moment, but I nearly got there. I took, a, I paddled out, um, speedies, and first wave that came was about six foot. This double up. Yeah. And I didn't know my fin was broken. I don't know how it must have happened because I can't, just came from back from Norfolk. Might have happened on the. I don't know. Yeah. But I've dropped into this thing, mm. taken a line, and just stood up thinking I'm about to get this mm. double up pit. And next thing, my tail just flicked out from under me, which was I think it was that happening left me in so much confusion with what was happening, so I wasn't yeah. ready for what was happening and the next thing i just get picked up and slaughtered down oh my god but it was one of those wipeouts where you weren't ready for it It was my first wave i didn't know like the pet i didn't know anything that was about to happen or that even why it was happening Mm. my um vest got flicked up over my head and now i'm underwater getting ragdolled and not knowing which way it was up or down Mm. and and i'm sitting there and i'm like just getting ragdolled i'm sitting there and then I started like getting to my breath threshold that I was done because I wasn't ready for it. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. And I suddenly got, oh shit, I'm in trouble here. And I started like panicking yes, in a way. And yes. I'm like, oh, I'm a panicking. And then I was like, I'm swimming the wrong way. I'm trying to get this vest off over my head. Yes. And then I've come up and gone for a breath when I finally got up and choked on foam. <laughs> and, I like, oh. and then I've come up and I'm so rattled. I was like, and I just realized to myself, I was like, I just did everything wrong yeah, <laughs> in that yeah, moment. Yeah. You know what I mean? I panicked yeah. when I shouldn't have. Like I wasn't ready. I hadn't, you know what I mean? It was, it was just, yeah. 
it was just still those moments like you can suddenly just being thrown off guard but i it was it was kind of fun to hit my like to panic yeah you know what i mean yeah. i wasn't ready for it i suddenly got thrown so quickly so quick out of my comfort zone yeah. and then i suddenly hit my panic point yeah i'm like do you do you still have a panic point do you well i i went through quite a few i suppose the, the one that taught me the most was um i was surfing this big wave spot and there was there's two ways to get in your paddle you know, a K and a half to the beach or you could try and get up this front shelf. And um, so this one day I decided I'd try and get up the front shelf and um, paddled up to it, think, oh, this is easy. I'll just run across the reef. And I ran across the reef and found fell down into a crack, which I didn't see because it was all white water over the, the reef. And um, and then I got stuck in there and I was trying to get out of this crack. And wow. I, and and um, basically I was sort of... Sp- pushing myself up, got myself up. And as I got up, a wave came in, hit me, and then threw, threw me off this sort of like six-foot ledge into the ocean. But my board slid across and the tail of it just fell down this crack and went vertical like a tombstone, like a, like a you know. Yeah. Um, and my leg rope kind of sort of stretched over the ledge and I'm on and the other side you're stuck on the other side. In the ocean. And then tons and tons of, you know, white water are pushing over and holding me under. And then every 30 seconds it would sort of let me up, give me a breath, and the water would run over, hold me down, and then it would let me up. And so I'm going through this whole thing. It was back in the day in the 80s where you had the double-fold leg ropes. So I couldn't get my leg rope off. And my board was basically wedged in so well that I was just in this spot. You were anchored. And... I was on my own and and I'm there for probably, it seemed like, you know, five to ten minutes just getting this wash over water coming over me, holding me down for quite some time and then letting me up, I'd get a breath and then another wave. And so it was like the ten-minute wipeout, you know. Mm. And I looked up and all I saw was this fisherman seen the whole thing and he's screaming at me going, you know, get up, mate, get up. And I'm, I'm sort of, you know... He goes, I'll call the cops. I could hear him. I could hear him every now and again, just these little words. And then I just had that moment where I went, oh, you know, and I almost was like praying. I'm thinking I'm dying here. I'm just, I'm definitely not getting out of this one. And then something in in my intuitive said, turn around. And so I went, turn around. Like I'm praying right now, man. Like my Mm. mind's panicking. Everything's going on. And it was so, so I flipped it around and ended up, I was able to curl forward on the front part of my body and i i got one one of the flaps off of my leg rope and then had another wipe out and then i was able to get the other one off and then i you know i, I broke free out. and rolled off and and um and it saved me and i had nothing in me it was like another another one of those uh, moments where i was like okay i haven't got much air left in me i was ready you know i was getting a yeah. bit of air but you know i was getting really weak and tired and but it's that it's recognizing the panic is there for a reason, you know. Yeah, it's 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 saying something to you, but it's also having the the detachment to sort of sink into yourself and go, well, what do I really got to do here? What, mm. what what's the what's the way to get out and and survive this situation? And that's how I think really clear people get through all sorts of situations where they they find that kind of uh, the real self, the real voice, and it and it directs them into a survival mm. type type exit 
where um yeah a lot of other things um if you continue to panic or you you know you you're stuck in that kind of really you know kind of crazy way of thinking you you know you could potentially mm. die that's know? those i was just as you were just saying that last bit i was picturing a couple me and a couple of mates owned a yacht together and we sailed around indonesia yes and my mate jimmy was the captain yep so we've had him as the captain he was the one with the experience so when shit went down it was for him first of all to step up to the plate yeah and i remember with him stepping up and me coming under him i was able to have more fear and like um confusion within me and in, more in that panic zone and i remember like because he was the one that stepped up and then it was like once I got out of that situation of having him as a captain and like say me as my own captain or me getting in situations, I was so surprised in myself of how much I could step up. Yeah. When he wasn't there, like mm. not not just like in, in a, and I started getting addicted to that. Yeah. I started putting myself on islands with like no food or water and having to like man up and step up. You mm. know what I mean? Yes. Because you get put in this in this situation where it's like, that panic hits, but if you panic, you're going to die. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? So you need to see that panic and then be able to rationalize and like look at that fear. And take. for me, it was always going back to the breath. And yeah, it was fun. I had a moment in Iceland. How, how much time do you have? Um, I've probably got a, yeah, probably 10 minutes. Okay, sweet. Yeah. 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 I had this, this moment in Iceland where, um, yeah, I got cleaned up by a really big set. And the first one that nailed me, it just held me down. I come up that disorientated with the cold and my brain wasn't working and everything and i was able to get onto my board and start paddling yeah and i'm just like oh just breathe just breathe and i'm looking at this this other wave about to land on my head again like about eight to ten foot yeah but that cold dark ocean you know you know (laughs) that ocean you know that that and that and a really powerful wave with a lot of undertow and the next one lands on my head and takes me down and by this stage i come up my brain is that frozen I can't think and I'm sitting there and all I can do is hold my board and just just breathe and I end up getting about 15 sets on the head because the thing was my mind is telling my body to my brain was telling me my body yeah. to paddle but I couldn't the the neuron like the message wasn't making it there because my yeah. brain was frozen <laughs> yeah. but it was just like one of those things I just had to hold the board and within myself and just sit there and just say like it's okay just breathe just go back to the breath and it was like I went yeah. into this meditative state yes. while I just got nailed yeah about 15 sets on the road and i just was able to relax yeah and just i just got washed up the rocks i allow myself just to get washed up the rocks yeah and i remember sitting there and i, I had to slap myself in the face a couple of times and i kind of shake it out and then climb up the rocks jump in the snow yeah hike back get some hot water on me yeah. and kind of got my body back but it was yeah it was just like those in that moment if i panicked i would have just yeah nothing would have worked for me yeah you know what i mean and 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 back in the younger my younger self there were so many times when i look back where i where i'm disappointed in myself of like not manning up and taking that responsibility like looking for someone else to do it yes you know what i mean like wow wow in that moment i look for someone else to save me i look for someone else to like do that for me i look for someone else like with anything in life yeah i look for someone else to make that happen for me it's like oh i've got this dream a dream job one day someone's going to come and give it to me yes you know what i mean yeah yeah that's that's why i find it so important these situations by getting in these situations of putting yourself in this yeah because then it teaches like anything in your life it's like you've got to step up yeah well the indigenous cultures all have this ceremonial you know men's work you know which is you know they take them out and you know get them into you know sort of uh sort of life-threatening situations where they're 
you know they've got to actually find that that space within themselves where you know because you can sit around thinking or mm-hmm. you know worrying about stuff or you know getting depressed or you know and it's just really it's just getting lost in the in the old memories or the rotisserie of mind thoughts mm. that um you know very distracting and you know they're, they're kind of like you know false false platforms of distraction but when you actually act or when you go into action and when you activate yourself your real self then that's the power that's the power of a man that's the power of Mm. these experiences and when you find those you know when you finally find that power and the indigenous people knew all about it you become a man and you you stand up to and you confront life with that with that type of essence that's Um, when you become the warrior that's you 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 that's the hero's journey and joseph campbell talks about it is that we're all becoming you know we're trying to we're trying to move out of you know this this kind of mental this kind of interpretive intellectual kind of uh state into into soul state you know and and the soul is is you know for all of us whether you're man female or whatever is where the right information and and <clears throat> that'll initiate you and carry you through life and, okay, and truth. give you give you um you know the honest right path yeah of truth yeah mm. definitely yeah that's like the warrior like yeah c- coming in like just living our truth you yeah. know what i mean yeah exactly yeah yeah and that is going into that fear the warrior can st- that's that song i was, I was just showing yeah, 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 where yeah. that came from it was like standing in the face of the storm coming at you but knowing yeah. your feet are planted that it's yeah. all okay it's all and then okay. once you're in that space there's a space for you to play yes because you've seen the beauty you've seen the darkness and you know it's going to be okay no matter what because you can't control you know it's like I say to myself, like in those situations, like when you are getting nailed, I like to say to myself, like, I've got this. Yeah. I've got this. Yeah. You know what I mean? And what's the worst thing that can happen? I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to die. Okay. Yeah. So why don't you, why don't you look at death? Why don't you actually face, face it in some sort of format, whether it be surfing or whether you be running around, you know, chasing kangaroos and, and, and getting chased by crocodiles in some indigenous format. But essentially... If you work out and you find out what the whole thing that that this great one of the greatest fear, fears on on planet Earth and the greatest sort of distraction from the soul is that we're, we live in the fear of death. So why don't you face it through these experiences and you become free and you, your your, yeah. your soul can then ignite in the fire of life and and um, and that's 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 the yeah. great thing about living is um, living in the uh, in the fire of the soul. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was just, fuck yeah, because I have this, yeah, we'll finish on this. It's like as soon as you fear, for me, it's like as soon as you fear, you die. Yeah. You know what I mean? As soon yeah. as you're anxious, you lose. Yeah. And I was thinking that about that with the with COVID. When 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 the the sword, when the um, demon rises the sword above you to cut your head off. Yeah. If you stand there in that fear, you'll die. Yeah. But if you stand there with that, like, love, like, if you stand there understanding it and ra- you can rationalize it and act, yeah. you know what I mean? Well, I'm about to be cut down here. Yeah. That's okay. I'm going to duck. Like, you, you know, you can react yeah. to it, you know? Yeah. And yeah. fear, fear, fear is a, it, it's a freezing mechanism. So it, your body's like all good fighters or, you know, good swordsmen or good samurais or whatever, um, you know, the fear is the greatest enemy because it, it freezes the body. And, and so, you know, if I'm halfway down a 20-foot wave and I'm not relaxed, 
then the fear is gonna the fear is gonna disrupt or it's gonna it's gonna wipe me out. So it's the same with the life path. You know, if you're in living within fear, your body's blocking and 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 jolting and and um, and not not relaxed and and fluid, and that allows that allows this you know freedom of movement and this connection with all things in the natural world in a natural way. Wow. Thank you. Beautiful. Yeah, Glenn, Thanks, buddy. <laughs> just, yeah, as we go, I just want to leave with thank you for the person that you are, what you bring to the world, the values that you have, and the, the, just that you, your own self, going into your own fear to dare to like change stuff and be different and like help you know, like the world. Because it's like that's the thing. A lot of us sit around and say, oh, well, yeah, they, they need to do this or they need to do that, not realizing it comes down on us to like have that action to to make that to make those changes and you're someone who's like led the way in so many things and like you know like tried to change things and cheers mate yeah thank you man thanks and thanks Thanks, and don't be yeah don't be don't be frightened of making mistakes i've made i've made many and um i think that's my greatest gift is that by making a lot of mistakes i can i can guide a lot of people around a lot of obstacles so the the wisdom is you know dive into those experiences and and um and have a go have a go at those things that you know you might fail at because you know if you don't you'll always wonder why and um yeah and forgive yourself just keep forgiving yourself we're all here we're all having a go and um yeah and that's all we can do just 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 keep having a go mate thank you buddy thank you for a wonderful chat mate thanks thanks so much (laughs) thanks buddy I hope you guys like this episode. Now, remember, I've got prizes to give away for whoever shares it for me. Go on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating, leave a review, subscribe, put it on your social media story, tell your mum. Send me a message, send me a screenshot, or I'm just going to see it on Apple Podcasts anyway, or I'm going to see it on social media. And every week, I'm going to pick someone and I'm going to send them an O-Penal Knife or a Diaries of the Wild Ones t-shirt. Enjoy, guys, and thanks for listening. I do it like a double.